This week, we're back in WCW. You remember them. They're the ones with the old-school southern wrestling roots. They brought us Ric Flair, Terry Funk, and Arn Anderson, and then later the cringy midlife crisis street gang known as the NWO. At the same time that they had everyone thinking that making Hulk Hogan throw up gang signs was the height of edgy coolness, they were conducting another experiment, which, at the time, was written off as childish and goofy. The Adventures of Glacier, a bootleg Mortal Kombat character. But while the NWO has aged like unrefrigerated fish, Glacier has just gotten cooler with age. <laughs> He's a karate guy with poorly defined ice powers, he hangs out with a jungle cat-themed kickboxer, and he's locked in a deadly rivalry with a bunch of dudes who look like they should be menacing He-Man. And it seems like they all know they're dressed like dorks, and this whole act is becoming passé, so they're determined to offset that with some of the dopest wrestling you could see anywhere on the planet in 1997. Today on I Hate Wrestling, it's Glacier. Blood runs cold. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Hi, uh, thanks for having me, Matt. Of course, of course. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Um, I guess my first question, as, as it often is with first-time guests, of which you are one, do you, right. hate, do you hate wrestling? Do I hate wrestling? Uh, I think that'd be uh, a little strong to say. I, uh, I, th- I think I'm more uh, unfamiliar with current wrestling. Are you familiar with any wrestling? Uh, so as a kid, I used to watch pretty regularly, but, uh, I didn't really follow a lot of it. Um, I was a big fan of Sting. That's all I really remember. Uh, I liked the face paint and the fact that he always started with a uh, baseball bat and all the wrestling video games. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a, a hefty advantage. (laughs) Uh, you're speaking of, uh, of WCW NWO revenge for the Nintendo 64. Uh, of many, um, the, the names kind of all blur together, mostly because I spent a lot of the time in the uh, character creators, not using real wrestlers. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, what I liked about, I think WCW NWO Revenge was the first one that had a character creator, at least on the okay. WCW side, and it was really limited. All you could do was change people's names and their outfits and the colors of their outfits. Okay. So you just sort of had a lot of like uh, off-color uh, Undertakers and and uh, well, this, could you change Sting's face paint? Yeah, they had classic Sting. They had Crow Sting. They had the Wolfpack Sting with the red <laughs> face paint. It was it was essentially a palette swap function. Okay. So you could well, make so you could make uh, you could make a Ryu to fight your Ken. Okay, so so, so you would just uh, you have uh, you have gold dust and shadow gold dust. <laughs> you could have you could have done that absolutely, and that fighting game, uh, that fighting game metaphor holds true for the topic of today's episode, Glacier. <laughs> now, so yeah, I I checked out the uh, the, pr- the little uh, the homework, you yeah, uh huh. 
And uh, I have to, I have the question I have is, is Glacier a event or a person? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's unclear. I watched the, the ad doesn't say much. It's just sort of sub-zero kicking at nothing in a, in a snowy room. So Glacier is the person. Um, okay. He is, as you can see, he looks like a gym teacher dressed up as uh, as Sub Zero from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah. It looks like a, a low budget cosplay. It's it's funny that you say low budget because WCW dropped like six figures on the construction of of Goldust. Sorry, not Goldust. They dropped six. <laughs> these are these are fifty thousand dollar boas. <laughs> <laughs> this this is real gold leaf that we're dropping from the ceiling. No, uh, Glacier, WCW dropped like six figures on Glacier between his gear, his his armor, the snow machine, the laser light show. Like all of this cost a significant fraction of $1 million. And was this his debut or was he an established guy at this point no this is his debut (laughs) right (laughs) and and this was the 90s correct this is the 90s and uh i'm looking at him right now he was he was about 40 years old when he uh he made his debut (laughs) yeah and here's the problem this is the late 90s when this is happening (laughs) so so you're watching this and you're like okay this is like 90 this is like 1994 that's cool, right? Uh-huh. No, this is 97. Oh, oh. And if you know anything about pro wrestling in the 1990s, uh, those are like three very important years. Are they? Because in 1993, you still have Hulk Hogan, sort of uh, red, yellow, orange skin, hot dog man, say your prayers, <laughs> sort of moral <laughs> landscape microwave for the last time. Right. Right. And that's sort of the moral landscape of 1993 pro wrestling. 1997 pro wrestling is stone cold. Steve Austin driving a beer truck into the arena and trying to murder his boss. Oh, okay. So the, the introduction of real, uh, it, uh, well-written story and, um, you know, hard hitting plots and character development. Yeah. We're, we'll call it grit. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's sort of like, this is sort yeah. of in the, to draw a comic book analogy, this is like the sort of Todd McFarlane Spider-Man. Like, Fitting, like era, early 2000s, 90s. Yeah, sort of era of pro wrestling where we're leaving behind the, the, the sort of bright, cheery primary colors and we're moving into something that's more gritty and uh, right. and character driven. So, is that about when The Undertaker became a, uh, if I remember correctly, he became a real uh, force of the devil slash darkness? Yes! <laughs> so <laughs> so early 90s Undertaker is a literal Undertaker. He like dresses right. in an old, like an old west frock coat and has an old hat and literally makes coffins for people and then puts them in the coffin and that's his character. And then in like 1997, he becomes a devil worshiper with like a teardrop tattoo under his eye who's trying to crucify people on television. (laughs) And then I assume he was the villain of these stories. Yeah, he was a villain then. And then after that, he went even further to the dark side when he became a biker who loved Fred Durst. That was a that was a part of his character. He's just a big Durst fan. Yeah, there was like a like fans call it biker taker in in the early two thousands. He stopped being actively spooky and started driving a motorcycle around. 
And his theme song. I feel like actively spooky should be a status you could set on like Facebook. Yeah. Well, he stopped. He stopped really laying it on thick, and he just sort of he cut his hair. He started wearing a bandana, and uh, his theme song was "Rollin'" by Limp Bizkit. (laughs) And at one point, I feel like that song I almost exclusively know in the context of like wrestling advertisements that you watch out of one eye at, at one in the morning. Yeah, and uh, and he was sort of at one point he was even played to the ring by Fred Durst. It was very weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then he sort of uh, wrapped around and became a became a, an undead person again. Okay, but so in those years when he was just a, a, a biker taker, is that is that is that was that the right? Yeah, name? yeah, that's sort of the he the was bike. always the Undertaker, but fans call that his biker taker period. Okay. Was he still like? Did they give a story reason for him to not be a devil worshiper, or was he just also a devil worshiper on top of the biker guy slash Fred Durst fam? No, they they kind of just dropped the the spookiness, and he uh, he got hurt. He disappeared for six months, and when he came back, they were like, "It's the Undertaker!" And everyone was like, "Why is he on a motorcycle?" <laughs> and they they, as far as I could tell, never addressed it, um, and. After a while, the biker taker character sort of ran its course, and he disappeared again and came back as as a goth dad. But by okay. this by this so point, go through phases. Yeah, and at this point, unfortunately, <laughs> his hair was receding, and he kind of looked uh, like he looked like goth Fraser Crane. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah, and that's kind of where he still is. Unfortunately, once you start looking like uh, Kelsey Grammer, you can't turn back. <laughs> So is he still active? Uh, he still wrestles. I don't know that I would classify him as an active <laughs> presence in the ring. It's just they 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 roll him out on a ch- in a chair and then sort of like pity wrestle him. Yeah, literally uh, last week they did a match, uh, a tag team match, Triple H and Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker and Kane. There's like 150 years of life in that in that match, and. It was very bad, and the only reason that they did it is because the fucking Saudi Arabian government paid them, like, something stupid, like $30 million. Jesus. Yeah, they have this They have this weird, weird, uh, actually, uh, last week tonight did a story about it, this weird thing where the Saudi government is bringing in WWE to run a couple of shows a year as part of this initiative to show that they're... Uh, modernizing and they're trying to bring in outside entertainment ventures and WWE did one show there last year which was a minor success and then they killed a journalist and WWE was like ah ooh ah they're giving us 30 million dollars though oh (laughs) so they well you know you just turn it into a a wrestling story (laughs) where you have well that's why The Undertaker was involved (laughs) yeah right it, it turns out that the uh, uh, the journalist was killed by the Undertaker, yeah. and now uh, Triple H has to do an investigation <laughs> into yeah, Undertaker whether was or not the, the Saudi government knew about it. Yeah, and the Undertaker. And Trump, Trump, you know, Trump was in the ring before. Yeah, he's in the. the he's, get him back in there. He's in the WWE Hall of Fame, unfortunately. <laughs> I think mostly for the fact that I mean he's he's real life friends with Vince McMahon because they're both insane egomaniac billionaires and uh right and they have similar levels of uh also looking like hot dogs yeah like the hulk yeah yeah 
Um, different, I, I think like maybe Vince McMahon is a slightly fresher hot dog. Hulk Hogan's the middle of the road yeah. and Donald Trump is just like a hot dog that has been outside in the rain for 10 <laughs> days and then completely dried up by the sun after that. Well, we know, we know Trump doesn't go out in the rain. No, but... unless he's golfing. <laughs> Topical. Um, yeah, this so is, this is, these this... are some really good, uh, uh, John Stewart style zingers that I'm probably going to cut out because they have nothing to do with the episode topic. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, curious though, just, is wrestling like a big thing with the Saudis? Um, whatever. Or is this like a new development? No, it's not. I don't think it's a very big thing in general with the Saudis. I think the, uh, the royal family has de- probably developed something of a taste for American pop culture over the years. Mm-hmm. And when they were looking for a thing that they figured they could bring in, like a big international thing that they could bring in, I think WWE was a thing that was a thing that they figured would be uh, easily accessible because it's okay. a, in their defense, pro wrestling isn't hard to get. No, you know, you just, you just have, a guy you a guy you like and a guy you don't like. If you were trying to bring a form of entertainment to another country, pro wrestling is an easy fucking one to pick. Right. So I think it's, uh, that was the plan. I think. Good. I think the plan was just because pro wrestling is so accessible to bring that over instead of like I don't know the Dixie Chicks. Uh. <laughs> It'd be pretty funny if they were trying to bring the Dixie Chicks over in 2018 to be executed. Yeah, wrestling seems to have uh, have aged a little bit better than uh, their popularity. Yeah, which is unfortunate. The Dixie Chicks are solid entertainers. Oh, oh, my dad used to listen to them. But he was that was when we moved down to Virginia. We were always we, I was born in New Hampshire, but we um, you know when I was young we moved to Virginia, and I remember that was the only country music he ever listened to. Was the Dixie <laughs> Chicks. He had multiple of their CDs in their car. Oh, they were huge. They were huge. And then they, they criticized George W. Bush and committed career suicide on live television. Okay, we're far afield here. Um, yeah, we, we, we went down a rabbit hole there. Yeah. So, we're, <laughs> so we're here today to talk about Glacier, who WCW spent way too much money on at exactly the wrong time in history. So <laughs> here's the thing, too. Um, I think the video that I sent you was called Blood mm-hmm. Runs Cold Vignette Number 3. Okay. So that was like the third week that they showed a vignette about Glacier. They wound up showing these things for months. For months wow. they hyped this guy. You could have been hyping Stone Cold Steve Austin for 18 months. When he finally shows up, it's going to be disappointing. <laughs> Right, because there's nothing you can do in a wrestling match that's cool enough to justify 18 months of video packages. Right, even if he was a hit right out the box, it's kind of just like I can't imagine. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know how long, how popular these guys stay popular, but I imagine that it changed pretty rapidly considering the size of the roster. Yeah, he could have literally come out, frozen a guy with ice powers, and ripped his spinal cord out. And it still would have been like, Jesus, you'd have to spend 18 months building this up. Yeah. <laughs> and I assume he never did anything like that, as cool as that. No, he never did anything like that, because he's a real person. 
So, so they set up 18 months hyping a guy, a ninja, with ice superpowers, knowing full well that they can never deliver on ice superpowers. And after 18 months, he finally shows up, and it's like a fart in church. Uh, because at this point, when they started hyping him, it was like late 95, maybe early 96. By the time he finally debuts... Um, the NWO had showed up. Do you remember the NWO? Uh, vaguely. So the NWO were like a pro wrestling midlife crisis street gang composed of Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and, and a bunch of other. <laughs> I didn't expect you to lead with Hulk Hogan because that is the last person I think of when I think street gang. Oh, sorry. Hollywood Hogan. Ah, gotcha. Which is the evil version of Hulk Hogan who puts shoe polish in his stubble. <laughs> Played by the same guy. I yeah, assume. same guy. Absolutely same guy. Um, he's like the shadow gold dust of okay. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> is, it, it's suppo- is it supposed to be the same character or yeah. is it more... Uh... No, it's the same okay. character. Like classic Hulk Hogan had turned to the dark side. Gotcha. So the very symbol of like pro wrestling cartoony goodness has turned evil, and that sort of turned the whole promotion on its head. And where, when we started doing Gold Dust, or why do I keep saying Gold Dust? Because I love Gold Dust. Um, <laughs> when we started doing Glacier, like when they started hyping Glacier, Hulk Hogan was a good guy, and he was fighting villains who looked like they belonged on Halloween cereal boxes. Like... He was fighting the Yete, who was a big mummy, and he was fighting Kamala, the Ugandan giant. And, like, he was fighting cartoon bad guys. Right. And by the time they're ready for this character to debut, Hulk Hogan is, like, throwing up gang signs and <laughs> and leading, like, five-on-one and, like, beating up Sting in the parking lot with a lead pipe. And it's like, oh, shit, like... Things got making grit- his fans very uncomfortable, right? And things got very—I uh, don't want to say. Well, I guess you could call it gritty. I don't want to call Hulk Hogan throwing up gang signs uh, like realistic, but <laughs> it certainly took uh, wrestling itself became more grounded in reality, and the right. cartoony stuff was sort of by the wayside. And even though that's very passe, here comes Glacier. And they're going to make a run of it because they spent so much money on it already. <laughs> so they put this poor 40-year-old gym teacher in his Sub-Zero costume and they try to make him, you know, make the best of it. And it – what's your sense of how well it goes? <laughs> uh, so based on the, the, the promo alone – uh, I'm gonna guess not. Well, also considering I, I I took the opportunity to uh, look this guy up, and it would appear that his career only lasted from '96 to about '98. So uh, I'm gonna assume not well. Yeah, not well is a good way to put it. Um, Glacier is kind of the character is stillborn. Like it goes, it goes nowhere. But it's <laughs> a brutal way to describe the uh, <laughs> the debut debut of your act. Yes. Uh, but they already had plans for it and they were going to see it through because not only did they had, had they purchased costumes for him, they had also purchased costumes for the other characters that make up this little glacier verse. Uh, 
glaciers. Yeah, the glacier. Um, so did he? So he had his own villains then. Yeah, absolutely. They were going to create a whole division of goofy Mortal Kombat guys. A pantheon of of glacieroids. Right, and I should mention also, Mortal Kombat came out in 1992. <laughs> right. <laughs> were they? Were they? Like take were they releasing at the same time as a new Mortal Kombat game, or was it just completely out of left field? I think well, you know, Mortal Kombat two, Mortal Kombat three had come out, but they weren't as big as the original Mortal Kombat. Like right. you would think they were trying to capitalize on the scandal of the original Mortal Kombat with oh, there's blood in a video game. Um, but <laughs> all that furor had sort of died down at this point. So everything about this is weirdly tone deaf. And just, it doesn't make sense to do it, but because of the sunk cost fallacy, they're like, we have spent so much time and effort on doing this, and we've been promoting it for 18 months, we have to try to make it work. And they do. So, we've got, uh, our main characters is obviously Glacier. He's an ice ninja. He he is the Sub-Zero analog. And he has a, cu- a couple of weeks where he is just trouncing kind of low-level jobbers on WCW TV. <laughs> yeah, just, just another aside here. Jobbers is one of my favorite words that I've picked up from uh, my fa- friends who are, are into wrestling. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just such a – it applies to so many other things outside of wrestling. Just anytime yeah. you, you see a guy and it's just like, oh. He's, he's reporting back to somebody. Yeah. I would I would encourage you to check out uh, some of the works of Bobby the Brain Heenan, one of the all-time great pro wrestling managers and commentators, whose mission in life was to just shit on people, the Don Rickles of professional <laughs> wrestling. And he had so many, <laughs> so many great ways, like derisive nicknames for people. Ham and Egger. <laughs> Ham and Egger. Ham and Egger. Somebody uh, who always orders ham and eggs because it's the only thing they know how to order. Uh, Okay. uh, White Sockers. What's that mean? Which means uh, you only own white socks, meaning that you never have cause to go anywhere cool. (laughs) (laughs) This is so elaborate. I know. Um, My favorite one is humanoids. Oh, no. What is that? You, You know, they look like people. Oh, so their their gimmick is that they're just a guy. No, no, this is just something that Bobby Heenan would call would call people humanoids because, well, you know, they're generally shaped like people, but that's about as far as it goes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who would you describe as a humanoid? In his book, which is uh, which is a wonderful uh, a wonderful book, he has a whole classification system for uh, for humanoids. How you could tell if somebody's a humanoid? It's almost like you might be a redneck kind of jokes. <laughs> uh, I, I gotta check this book out. He's like, if you uh, something like if you got a twenty year old card, it still gets repoed. You're a humanoid. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um. Yeah. Great. Great. Great mind, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. But we've got Glacier. He's our protagonist. We've got Mortis. Who is this sort okay. of green skeleton guy who's, right. <laughs> who's supposed to be a pit fighter from 
Myanmar or something like some kind of weird Asian <laughs> Kumite pit fighter guy who some re- for some reason fights like a pro wrestler. Glacier, to his credit, is actually a kickboxer, has a kickboxing background. So okay. he, he peppers that stuff in. So he feels different than a regular wrestler. Uh, Mortis doesn't. He's supposed to be like a weird Muay Thai pit fighter guy, but he feels like a pro wrestler. Um, so he's fighting Glacier, not doing well. And this guy, James Vandenberg, who's like a, a creepy, possibly satanic businessman, shows up to manage Mortis. And he also reveals his other client, Wrath. Okay. Who's just a very tall white guy who walks to the ring in a Shao Kahn headdress. <laughs> so they're really laying on the Mortal Kombat stuff thick. Oh, yeah, yeah. So so Mortis is Scorpion, Glacier is obviously Sub-Zero, and this, uh, this Wrath guy is Shao Kahn. And now it's two-on-one, and these guys are really taking it to Glacier. Um, they keep attacking him after his matches. They try to steal his, uh, his very special... <laughs> It's very special, like ice ninja helmet. <laughs> and are these are they are they doing these this in like a a Mortal Kombat esque st- sixty million dollar stage as well, or is this like they're back in the locker rooms and they're yeah. trying to take his helmet? Okay, so the, all the special effects are limited to the beginning of the match, like as you're walking to the ring. Right. So you do all that before the match, then you have a regular ass match, and then everything progresses from there in a standard pro wrestling way. So. Picture Glacier walking to the ring in, you know, $20,000 worth of fake snow and laser lights wearing another, like, $60,000 in custom-made gear. Right. Then uh, beating up a jobber in a slightly karate-flavored pro wrestling match. (laughs) And then pro wrestlers in Halloween Express costumes running out and beating him up and trying to pluck out his magical ice eye or whatever. Wait, so he's got a magic ice mask and a magic ice eye. Yeah, it's he has, uh, like, one blue contact lens. Okay. So, in fact, they tried to use his helmet to scoop out his eye one time. How's that work? Not well. Um, <laughs> and, in fact, while they were trying to do this, he was uh, he was saved by... World Karate Champion Ernest Miller, who just happened to be watching from the front row. <laughs> so there was another guest spot for their their uh, basically eighteen month guest spot. Right. So uh, so Ernest the Cat Miller, who is a, uh, a legit karate champion, right, has the most ridiculous backstory. He was retired from full contact tournaments, mm-hmm. and he was. Uh, he like moved to Georgia and was like running a strip mall karate dojo. And one of the kids who took his classes happened to be the kid of Eric Bischoff, who was the producer of WCW. And they get to talking one day. And he's like, I've always wanted to try pro wrestling. And Eric Bischoff is like, sure. <laughs> so everything about this sounds like the plot of a nineties movie. Yeah. It's so, <laughs> It almost sounds like the plot of the Mortal Kombat movie with, uh, with, <laughs> with Bischoff as, uh, Johnny Cage. Yeah. Well, no, uh, I guess Eric Bischoff would be, uh, Lord Raiden assembling these fighters, right? Okay. And, uh, 
Johnny Cage is definitely Ernest the Cat Miller. Like, oh, yeah, I got uh, Okay, so I mixed them up. <laughs> yeah, so, so that sets up this match that we're going to watch today. Okay. The match that we're going to watch is a tag team contest between Ernest the Cat Miller and the Mighty Glacier <laughs> and the demonic duo of Mortis and Wrath managed by the sinister James Vandenberg. Now, why do you say sinister? Because, well, he's he's kind of devilish. He's got a pointed goatee. Also, after this, he would go to ECW and literally change his name to the Sinister Minister and work an <laughs> evil priest gimmick. Uh, <laughs> uh, that name feels like it was not workshopped. No. They're just like, uh, we, we need something that's evil and rhymes. Yeah, I feel like the Sinister Minister might have been the entirety of the of the 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 idea. Hey, you know what would be a good idea? A good idea for a wrestling character? The sinister minister. No, I feel like I feel like not. What's he gonna do? We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, same thing any pro wrestling manager does. You know, stand on the outside of the ring, yelling, "Kill him!" Yeah. And and then running away at the end. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So, um, do you have any other thoughts? Any other feelings, questions about... Oh, I, I have tons of thoughts, feelings, and questions, but I, uh, I, I'm hoping they'll be answered by this video. Uh, I just want to see... I want to I see um, Wrath and, and Mortis in action. <laughs> as, a, as a kid, I always, I always rooted for the heels, so I have a feeling that it's going to be a similar situation here. It could be. Now, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I remember these guys... Um, when I was a kid being really, really shitty. Okay. And I basically wanted to do this episode as a sort of, you know, usually I do things that are, are genuinely like a cool thing. Something that's really well, um, well to put it this way, I have more stuff from the late nineties than I do from the early (laughs) nineties, right? Stuff where there's actual, actual storyline meat to talk about narrative, uh, narrative complexity, Right. But sometimes I like to do an episode that's kind of goofy and just have, you know, uh, have a good laugh about it. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that's what this was going to be. And then I went ahead and watched this match and it's pretty fucking good. OK. These four guys are actually way better at this than you would think, given the sort of albatross, collective albatross that that that's around their necks. So okay. that's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to say that, you know. These guys might surprise you with what they bring to the table. Um, All right. right. I mean, we've we've already discussed that the whole experiment didn't really pan out, but you can't lay it at the feet of the performers, I don't think. Okay. Now now I'm I'm pretty interested. I want to see what... I'm I'm surprised to hear that they were actually decent wrestlers, considering that they seem to have failed so hard. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, we, we can talk a little bit about afterwards why I think they failed so hard, but, um, and I'm curious to get your, uh, get your perspective on it too, but, uh, the match that we're gonna watch is Mortis and Wrath with James Vandenberg versus Glacier and Mortis from WCW Bash at the Beach 1997. I hope you like a weird Mortal Kombat fight happening at what looks like a Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. <laughs> Oh man, I can't wait. 
Okay, so do you have your, your video queued up? And uh, we'll press play on one, two, three, okay? Okay. One, two, and three. All right. So, all right. So right now, you're going to get an idea of where all this money went. It went to all <laughs> this lighting. It went to the dry ice. It went to the laser light show. And it went to these costumes. So first, we have uh, our villains are making their entrance first. So, obviously, that is Mortis on the oh, wow. on the left. <laughs> uh, James Vandenberg uh, looking very sinister. I think you'll agree in the back. And those are some supreme edge lords. Yeah, and here is Rath with a pole arm. Um, who apparently he's going to try to murder somebody with that because. You can you can hit somebody with a steel chair and not expect to kill them. You can't hit somebody with a pole axe and not expect to kill them. So I'm assuming that uh, that weapon got to see a lot of play in the ring. Oh, all the time. People were constantly getting chopped in half with that. In half. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's how those work. <laughs> I was gonna say. For, can I just say also, there are way too many skulls on Mortis's outfit. Yeah, that's um, it, it seems to be his thing. Yeah, it's like I counted. There's about twenty eight skulls on him. Twenty eight? Well, look at all. I those... see three. I see at least no. Not, I was gonna say three on each shoulder, but it, there's mini skulls <laughs> <Yes>. in there. <laughs> so there's like ten on his shoulders. He's got a skull face mask. He's got skulls on his belt. He's got skulls on his knee pads. It's it's untenable. Um. Uh, how you know when you described uh, Wrath as a tall white guy? Yeah. Uh, I didn't expect him to have like a Viking helmet on with <laughs> runes and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and considering our, our earlier conversations, uh, I'm getting a lot of like. Uh, I don't think his character would fly these days. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we have Glacier and Ernest Miller striking this oh, double karate yeah. pose. Karate pals. Karate. <laughs> karate pals to the rescue. Um, the, uh, Glacier sort of has a, um, uh, a, a guile haircut. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it's very flat top, very like John claude Van Damme. You are absolutely right. And, uh, here's an actual thing. We saw the, an actual, uh, kind of point to make the villains all had red lighting and the heroes here have blue lighting. Right. I was, I, at first I thought it was just for the ice motif. Yeah. I mean, also, how bizarre is it to see these guys in their their karate getups walking out here in uh in this singer songwriter Mr. James Buffett <laughs> ass arena with the fake palm trees and oh, so our villains oh, are our villains have attacked. Star, they're, they're getting right in there. Yeah, our our villains have attacked our heroes before the bell. What a bunch of shitheads. I just I also love that these warriors all come out and then the first thing they do is take off their millions of dollars of armor. <laughs> yes, well they don't want to hurt each other. Right, of course. <laughs> so uh, So here's here's Glacier has wound up in the ring with Mortis to begin the match. So the match now is starting in uh it oh and and, and Glacier uh, you can see look at this real karate behavior. Oh, he's he's uh he's giving him a beatdown. Yeah, he's fired up or iced up. He's t- he's doing really well. Who took at least three sucker punches to the face before the match started? 
Yep. Oh, and he's strung up. He's strung up Mortis <laughs> on the top rope. That's a move that ever looks cool. <laughs> the, uh, do a do a push up on someone's shoulders, kind of bounce off. Oh, and here comes uh, here comes Ernest Miller flying in with a knee strike. Oh wow! And the Karate Pals uh, sort of high five. <laughs> and uh, oh, these uh, see his kicks actually look pretty good. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean that that flying movie did before already was very like uh, impressive. You could see that he's actually got experience yep. doing this kind of thing in real life, not just you know on stage. Yep. Ooh, another uh, another beautiful kick from Ernest Miller almost took his head off. I should point out that Ernest Miller has probably wrestled like three matches before this. <laughs> okay. So, wow, that's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, he's a, um, well, he's got a, a legitimate kickboxing or karate background but doesn't actually know so much how to be a pro wrestler. So his body language is a little bit weird and stilted, you'll notice. Yeah. He's, it, it looks like he's waiting for his cues. Yeah, he doesn't quite know how to... Uh, Blend it in. Yeah. I think, actually, out of all these guys, Wrath is, uh, is the most experienced pro wrestler. And he's the most pro wrestler of all of them, obviously. So do these jobbers ever get repurposed? Like, uh, will, it, will an actor become a different jobber or do they get a different actor every time oh. they uh, get these little minor characters? Oh, well, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, Wrath was in uh, WWE before this as Adam Bomb. Okay. The nuclear man. Ooh, and a pump <laughs> kick to the chest. Um, <laughs> a, I, I love these kicks are really impressive, but they almost seem to be going in like slow motion. Yeah. Because it's, you can tell he's really aiming them and making sure he's, he's not going to hurt this guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the the babyface team, the the good guy team here, have legitimate fighting skills, and they might actually hurt these guys if they hit them the way these hits are supposed to happen. Which is funny because the bad guys are about twice their size. Yeah. Ooh, take a look at this. Uh, Wrath walked across the middle rope to get the, to to hit that elbow drop. When I was watching this match for the first time, that's where I was like, "Oh shit, Wrath got some moves." Yeah. I always remembered Wrath as just being like a big, tall wrestler, but that's not something that, uh, that's a common move. And, uh, uh the, the way they just did the, uh, the, the twist on his arms, it looked like they were going to twist his arms off. Yep. Oh, and a double drop kick, uh, knocks, <laughs> knocks Wrath to the ground. Um, but yeah, Wrath started out as Adam Bomb. He was Wrath for a little while, and then he went by his real name, Brian Clark, in a tag team called Chronic which uh, I actually described this in a previous episode as uh, being two bootleg undertakers who loved weed. <laughs> it even kind of fits Ooh. in with the, like, the, te- the Fred Durst uh, yeah. stint. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you, you saw that beautiful bicycle kick, actually, that, uh, that Raph hit and knocked Glacier right to the floor. Oh, and yeah. here we go. He flips off the ring apron <laughs> and takes Glacier down. I was not <laughs> expecting this from Wrath. Okay, so now here is Wrath uh, producing a steel chair and wedging Glacier's head behind it. And here comes Mortis with a flying sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, Smashing his head. Yeah. This is like that this hurt me. I love, his, I love his baby kick on the floor. Like, yeah. Ah, <laughs> this is. Let me just stress. This is the opening match of this show. 
These guys okay. do not need to be going this hard, but I guarantee you that they're going this hard because they know that they're fighting from underneath to get this whole thing taken seriously. So right. they're pulling out all the stops to get people invested in this. I also like, I, I, you know, when I saw the villains come out, I really expect them to be lame and cheesy. Like this is exactly the kind of stuff I would have loved as a kid. Like I'm honestly a little shocked that this didn't ta- at least take off a little bit. Yeah, it was just a little too late, unfortunately. If this had been even a year before this, I think it would have... I mean, honestly, if you... As big as The Undertaker is, and, like, he's such a legend, and everybody knows the... Even non-wrestling fans know The Undertaker. If The Undertaker had showed up dressed as an Old West mortician zombie in 1997, I don't think it would have gone anywhere. (laughs) Oh! Look at that clothesline! Fucking turn Glacier inside out! Oh. <laughs> doing a lot of crawling around and on all fours <laughs> yeah one two and glacier escapes uh mortis is upset you know when you're when you are a uh like a burmese pit fighter or whatever you don't have to pin people you can just kill them so i'm also keeping count right now i think there's been about at least three high fives in yes. this match a lot of friendship okay so this this move <laughs> I jumped out of my chair when they did this. Oof. So I guarantee. So what we saw there was a power bomb from Glacier and more, or from Wrath on Glacier. And as he was being power bombed, Mortis jumped in the air and grabbed his neck on the way down. Okay. That is not a move that I had ever seen in 1997. That was a well aimed kick there as well, getting him off the guy. Yeah, Ernest Miller broke up the pin. Um. And now Glacier's in real trouble. Um, and what we're trying to do is build to the hot tag. They want, they're trying to make us want uh, Glacier to tag in Ernest Miller. Now, look at this move. In 30 years of being a wrestling fan, I have seen this move maybe 10 times. This is an inverted Boston Crab, and I did not expect to see it in this match. This is a very deep cut submission hold, old school submission hold. Ooh. And... Wrath comes off the top, or Mortis comes off the top rope with a leg drop to, to Glacier. This is wild stuff. Yeah. I, when I see that, that you said it was an inverse crab. Yeah. When I see that, I'm just all I can really think about is how good that would probably feel in my back. But. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at, at this point, I'm, a, I'm an old, old man. Here we go. A moonsault. Oof. A, a moonsault. In the opening match of a of a wrestling card in 1997, this is insane. This is like a wrestling show in 2018 opening with a literal murder in the ring. Right, and I'm I'm just impressed. Like you're do- basically doing a backflip, like from the acting perspective. Ooh, you're doing a backflip off the ropes onto your own face. Yes, and then getting up and doing more. Yes, how do you how do you stop? Like how do you even catch yourself in a situation like that? You just oh, I thought I thought I was gonna spin kick the ref. <laughs> These kicks are nasty, by the way. <laughs> Those guys are ragdolling across the ring. I know they're like Seth MacFarlane characters taking these kicks. <laughs> so uh, another question I have is: Were they trying to play up the the uh, kick versus punch sort of dynamic that's going on here, or is that just more the traditional wrestler versus? Kickboxer. Well, I think that's going on. That's a function of the of the fact that all four of these guys are supposed to be like karate dudes, except only two of them actually know any karate. 
So I think right. so I think that's why we have one team punching and one one team kicking. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, the other two guys are honestly doing very innovative and very, ooh, DDT, uh, Glacier hitting his own pro wrestling move there. But <laughs> honestly, Wrath and Mortis are doing top shelf pro wrestling for 97. Like, this is not something you would be expected to do in an opening match. Oh, and here we have... What, what is he putting on his foot? That appears to be a length of chain wrapped <laughs> around his foot. And like, I don't know how, how much that's going to help, but... <laughs> So we have also also when you just describe this rest this uh, manager as sort of like a you know the goatee devil looking goatee guy yeah uh, when I look at him he just kind of looks like Paul Giamatti he does kind of look like Paul Giamatti hey listen it's me Paul Giamatti I'm your pro wrestling oh. manager oh <laughs> uh, he gets kicked and Glacier turns around into another kick a chain assisted kick right to the mush one two three. And the heels have taken this one. So they win? They win. Thanks to thanks to the uh the Oh my god. The interference of, of uh Paul Giamatti. Hey, it's me, Paul Giamatti. Thought maybe I'd just slide some <laughs> chain on your foot and you could kick a guy, it'll be great. Uh it's my Paul Giamatti impression, everybody. <laughs> I like his scream to the heavens. Yes. No <laughs> Like as if Glacier is dead. <laughs> oh my god do we do we see things like this in today's wrestling um first of all I, can i just before i answer that let me just say i love look at the camaraderie between these villains how yeah, do you hate you these guys tell they're evil but they're bros yeah it's like uh it's like it's like working for skeletor like those guys seem like they have a they have a fun relationship yeah they've got they've got a foosball table in their break room <laughs> <laughs> It's got skulls on it. Yeah, it's got skulls. skulls on, yeah, it's still foosball. Yeah, and you get sick from all the like the uh, all the dry ice that's everywhere. But <laughs> it's just a lot of oxygen de- deprivation. Yeah, that's why they want Castle Grayskull. It's better ventilated. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're seeing the we're seeing the replays now. Uh, Glacier caught that that chain, and he's uh, he's been defeated. WCW Bash of the Beach. So that's uh, so that's that's the end of the match. We can probably uh, we can probably pause that here. Okay. Um, so what did you think of this match? What did you think of Glacier? What did you think of Ernest the Cat Miller, Wrath, uh, Mortis? Honestly, as a kid, if I was watching this as a kid, like twelve years old, I would have been shocked that like I would have been going to school like yo. Check out Mortis, man. Where's my Mortis action action figure? And I would have been so confused by everybody's uh, blank stares. And like, yo, Mortis is the shit. I want, I'm gonna be looking on eBay right now for a Mortis action figure. <laughs> That's probably like a sixty thousand dollar rare collectible. Uh, yeah, that was. I like uh, earlier. I asked, uh, uh, is there anything like this in modern wrestling? Because I I did not expect to be leaving this podcast now wanting to go watch some wrestling. I have excellent news for you. There absolutely is. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you right now on Netflix, season one and two of a show called Lucha Underground are on Netflix. Okay, I've heard I've heard of this, but I've seen none of it. 
you got to go watch Lucha Underground. And while you're at it, listen to my episodes about Lucha Underground. Uh, <laughs> episode 5, Grave Consequences. Nice plug. Nice plug. Absolutely. And episode 12, Zero Fear. They are – it's a it's – a, a Mexican-American co-production. There are American wrestlers. There are Mexican luchadors. And it are these is, established uh, American wrestlers, like people I would recognize? Probably not because you've been out of the game for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, Chavo Guerrero is there. He was in WCW, NWO Revenge. Okay, cool, cool. Um, but most of the rest of them are younger guys. Uh, Rey Mysterio was in there for a hot minute. Okay, that's a name I know. I, I can't put a face to it, but... Well, he wears a mask, so... Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's all um, pro wrestling, film noir, telenovela. <laughs> <laughs> Three words that have no business belonging together. <laughs> you would think so! You would think so, but these three tastes taste great together. And it is very cheesy, but the wrestling is also very, very good. If you look at this stuff that we watch today as a template, they improve upon it about a thousandfold. These are these are young wrestlers at the top of their game, really, really inhabiting their characters. And the art direction is incredible. The mise-en-scene is incredible. And the backstage sequences, it's filmed like a movie. Like, it's incredible stuff. And if you, if you dug this, you would dig Lucha Underground. No, All right. You said it's no on Netflix. Question. Yes. All right. I'll have to. I will. I will earnestly check that out. <laughs> you will earnestly, the Cat Miller, check it out. <laughs> so, uh, so I guess we should talk a little bit about what what became of these guys. We mentioned that that Glacier, I think, went on to the least amount of success of these four guys because his character didn't really survive this. Uh, this storyline not going anywhere. Yeah. Ernest the Cat Miller, you know, he was very new at this. Within a couple of years, he's one of the most entertaining characters in all of pro wrestling because he has figured out that he can do a a passing James Brown impression. (laughs) Okay. So he, he, he becomes this James Brown pastiche. And starts, you know, he has this catchphrase, uh, somebody better call my mama. <laughs> it sounds like, that sounds like a, uh, a catchphrase from like an, like a uh, late 90s, early 2000s cartoon where it's like, you know how every, every hero had that, had that uh, catchphrase when something wasn't going right, like when they fall down a cliff. Yes. Or, yes. Yeah, just <laughs> Increasing severity, just somebody better call my mama. Yeah, so that was his thing, and he became really, really, really good. Never became like a top shelf wrestler, but as a personality, amazing. So much fun to watch. Um, Mortis eventually uh, dropped the mask and became known as Chris Canyon, and Chris Canyon went on to be one of the uh, all time great under-the-radar workhorse wrestlers. Um, okay. Sort of one of, these, one of these journeymen who gained a reputation for just going out and having great matches with whoever. Um, later became a tag team champion alongside Diamond Dallas Page and Bam Bam Bigelow. And so the, the Moon Knight of wrestling history. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> and he, uh, 
he eventually uh, flew as high as winning a United States championship. So uh, that was pretty, wow. pretty cool for uh, for him. And like I said before, Wrath went on to uh, to be Brian Clark, one half of Chronic, the the weed loving giant white <laughs> dude tag team. <laughs> when, when when was Chronic? When was Chronic? Yeah, because because. <laughs> You know, obviously, like, uh, weed legalization is sort of a more uh, contemporary thing. I wonder, I'm wonder. i wondering, were they, you know, were they well-received based on their weed-loving uh, uh, demeanor? Or was this back when, like, it was still sort of on the fence everywhere? Yeah, it was on the fence. This was 2000, 2001. Okay, wow. So, so it was it was edgy. The bold stance. Yeah. yeah. And if you picture these dudes, first of all, Brian Adams is the other member. I know Brian Adams is the other member of this team alongside Brian Clark and they look identical and they're just like picture these guys running around in like black jeans and you know those weird like velour t-shirts that were a thing in the late 90s early 2000s? (laughs) Sounds so uncomfortable to wrestle in. Yeah and like you know remember those big bulky like ball bearing necklaces. Uh-huh. That's chronic. Okay. <laughs> uh, were they, were they better or uh, worse received than, uh, than Glacier? Oh, way better. Chronic was a huge <laughs> deal. <laughs> uh, I, this is like a, almost like a, a tragedy now. Like I went into this, like looking at, looking to like really make fun of these guys. Now I'm just like, Man, when's Glacier gonna get a shot? Yeah, and that's the and that's Bring the back Glacier. Yeah, they're actually Glacier is having a little bit of a career renaissance. He's re, he's wrestling on the indie scene now, and like I doubt he's ever gonna get a shot at WWE or whatever because at this point he's almost sixty. But you know, right? People are are like looking back at me like you know what Glacier was dope as shit. Like people should have liked Glacier. <laughs> all like all great artists unappreciated in his own time. Yeah, and of course. James Vandenberg, I told you, went on to become the Sinister Minister and then went on to do exactly the same character under the name Father James Mitchell. Was Father James Mitchell always a a villain as well? Yeah, always a villain. Like, you're not going to cheer that dude. Right. (laughs) That ain't going to (laughs) happen. You can't have a really heroic Paul Giamatti-esque character. (laughs) The wine taster. Paul Giamatti is in the next Expendables movie. <laughs> God. <laughs> hey, it's me. God, I, I really don't like, I don't like how much stress we're under here. I got, there's bullets. I didn't remember, I didn't think there were going to be bullets. <laughs> there was going to be bullets. Undertaker's trying to get me. <laughs> <laughs> trying to steal my soul and make me listen to Fred Durst. <laughs> Paul Giamatti and Fred Durst are going to be in the next Expendables movie. You heard it here first. Oh, yeah. You heard it here well, first. You know, get ready for Durst. <laughs> Uh, well, if you got Fred Durst in there, you can get the insane clown posse as well. Oh God, those! <sighs> Fred... Did you hear about what happened yeah. with them recently? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's one of my favorite favorite recent news stories because it's it's just away from all the constant bad news. You have Fred Durst doing a show. For, first of all, shocker: Fred Durst still alive. Uh, second, you have. The insane cloud posse trying to drop kick him and missing by about three feet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, listen. Uh, 
<laughs> Violent J was never a great athlete, although he no. was a wrestler in the late 90s. <laughs> so, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Is, did, did the insane clown posse ever get in there? And did Durst's uh, feud with them ever ever come up? Even though I'm pretty sure the feud was pretty one-sided on the ICP side. No, so here's the thing. That was actually an interpromotional feud because Fred Durst was repping WWE with The Undertaker. Right. And... Uh, the ICP were in WCW with Glacier. Okay. So they were on opposite sides of that war. <laughs> of the so, wrestling Cold War. Right. So it was really it was really uh, a dream matchup. It was like getting to see Goldberg versus Steve Austin or something. And, and or Sting so versus The Undertaker, you know, finally reaching across the aisle. So the, so the Durst versus ICP wrestling uh, shows did actually happen. Uh, no, they were on opposite. That's what I'm saying. They were on opposite oh, okay. sides. So they never got the shot. Then, yeah, right. So when they finally fought at this show <laughs> in 2018, it was a long fulfilled dream. <laughs> it all finally came together. Yeah. Which speak, oh, speaking of which, if you let me book, if you let me book any show right now in 2018, uh, one of the mm. matches I would book is I would book Glacier versus Steve Blackman. Do you remember Steve okay. Blackman? No. The lethal weapon Steve Blackman. He no, was like never. he was a guy, uh he was a, a a WWE guy. He would wrestle in his like his his karate pants and he had like a little goatee. He looked like a cop. Flat top haircut, a little goatee and he was the goofiest fucking guy. <laughs> he was called the lethal weapon and he would just like he would hardly ever speak and would just like maneuver around with his little sticks. Oh my god, it would have been such a such a goofy his, fight. His sticks? Sticks like uh like uh screamo sticks. Okay. Like <laughs> like stick fighting. So so how many how many wrestlers had their own like g- gimmicky weapons? Oh. Yeah, we earlier we talked about Sting and his baseball bat. We have uh we have um was it Mortis or was it uh Wrath, who had the poleaxe. Wrath had the poleaxe. Because I noticed it didn't show up in the match. No, no, you can't hit somebody with that and not kill them. <laughs> um, well, Triple H had a sledgehammer. Okay. Um, Mick Foley was famous for having a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. Okay. Let's see. Oh, uh, Jeff Jarrett uh, would hit people with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, uh, Yokozuna had uh, had sumo salt. Sumo salt was yeah. that? You know, like what it sounds like. Yeah, like salt to purify the ring. Oh, okay. So he I would throw it, it in your like eyes. Threw salt in people's eyes. Yeah, he did. That's what, what he, oh, they, okay. the referee would be like. Hey, what's that salt for? And he'd be like, Oh, I needed to purify the ring for sumo reasons. <laughs> and then it always got thrown <laughs> in somebody's eyes. <laughs> Those were the sumo reasons. Yeah, those were the sumo reasons. Oh, did I not make that clear? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Nick, do you have any other any other questions, thoughts, feelings about uh, about any of these fellas? Yeah. So, I, I obviously the parallels with Mortal Kombat are there. Were they? Did they ever go out and and straight up say like, "Oh, this is you know we're 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 doing a Mortal Kombat thing," or was it just the obvious like? imagery yeah they never actually went so far as to say hey we're doing a mortal Kombat thing okay it was always i mean <laughs> not that you had to <laughs> the, the, the 
executives who who approved this were just a little too old to know what Mortal Kombat was, and you had some writers who were, who'd really binged on it that weekend. Oh man, there's a there's actually a story about. Do you remember Scott Hall? Okay, yeah. Uh, he was Razor Ramon back in the day, right? So, um, when he was hired by WWE before he was Scott Hall and before he was even Razor Ramon, everybody wanted to be to work for WWE because the conventional wisdom was you would go to WWE and Vince McMahon would give you a character and just promote the shit out of you. And that was it. Like he would, he knew it was marketable. He would give you a marketable character and just put his marketing machine behind you. And then you had it made. Okay. You know, so Scott Hall gets this call that WWE wants him. So he goes and shows up to the meeting and he thinks they're just going to tell him, okay, this is your character from now on. And he sits down and they're like, so what character ideas do you have? <laughs> God, no. And he's like, he freezes up and then he just re- recites the plot of Scarface. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> I see it. Yeah. It's this Cuban guy. Yeah. And uh, he comes to Miami and he like recites the whole plot of Scarface. And Vince McMahon is like, God damn, that's good. <laughs> Vince McMahon is... I assume he'd never seen Scarface at this no, point. No, no. Vince McMahon is notorious. He's like an incredible workaholic. He doesn't see movies. He doesn't watch TV. That's not his show. <laughs> this is brilliant. Right. So sometimes you'll see, a, you'll see a ripoff of something and it's not Vince McMahon. It's one of the writers being like pitching an, a legitimately good idea that somebody else came up with and Vince being like, God damn it, that's brilliant. <laughs> Why has nobody thought of this before? Right. So that was the the origin of Razor Ramon. There was also wow. there was also a case in like 2005 when somebody pitched a pirate character that was just Jack uh, Jack Sparrow. Like, <laughs> like what that, was the name? Uh, his name was Paul Burchill. Okay. That was the the wrestler's actual name. I gotta look him up after this. Pirate Paul Burchill. Yeah, and he would swing to the mat, swing to the ring on a rope. Would wrestle with eyeliner on, like the whole nine. And in this case, Vince McMahon actually, uh, it was getting over. People really liked it. And Vince McMahon put the kibosh on it because he didn't get it. And he's like, well, goddammit, why is a pirate a babyface? Pirates are heels. Everyone knows that. Why, why is everyone in pirates with makeup right now? Yeah, he didn't get it. And the, um, he was like, the, the writers were like, hey, we want to try this pirate thing. And Vince was like, well, I think pirates are a little passe, but uh, maybe we'll try it. And they try it, and people love it. And he's like, this doesn't make any sense. He's not a regular pirate. <laughs> and he didn't get it. And they couldn't be like, no, no, it's like this thing. Or he'd be like, well, goddammit, you're pitching me somebody else's idea. <laughs> was it, so did he ever have any instances where it's like he knew it was a ripoff, or was he always sort of just like completely oblivious to it? I don't think he's ever known he was doing a ripoff. <laughs> You gotta respect that, yeah. In a way, oh man, it's just it's it's wild. Um, yeah, yeah. They did not say that it was a Mortal Kombat thing. And here's the thing that drives me crazy: pro wrestling is already. You don't need to make it Mortal Kombat because it's already Street Fighter, right? <laughs> because you have people from all over the world with all these different backstories, all these different crazy looks. 
all these different fighting styles, different sizes. Like you have somebody like Rey Mysterio, who's very small and flying around the ring. He's a masked wrestler from Mexico. And then on the same show, you have somebody like Wrath, like that street fighter. Oh yeah. You don't and, need, you know, backstories constantly getting rewritten and forgotten about and then brought back up and rehashed. Yeah. And you don't need to necessarily make it all spooky and supernatural. Actually, when you were describing a lot of these, like uh, side characters and jobbers and stuff, I was really thinking about uh, the Marvel universe, like the co- the actual comics, because my favorites were always just the weird one-off stories about C-list villains and you know uh, the random characters that don't get a lot of play right. doing their things against other random characters that don't get a lot of play. The Stilt but Man or were, something. What were the big wrestlers doing when Glacier was getting pushed for almost a year and a half? We were doing uh, we were doing Hulk Hogan and his sort of nihilist street gang against Sting, who was dressing up like the Crow and hiding in the rafters. So would it just be, would those matches just play like later during Beach Bash? Yes, Bash of the Beach. Yep, yep, that's exactly it. <laughs> so it's like forget about this satanic shit for a second. Yes, yeah. <laughs> forget about that. Here's Hulk Hogan throwing up gang signs. This has been another episode. Another great, great episode. <laughs> I hope so. Of I hate of I hate wrestling. We're having a good time. We're having a good time, aren't we, Nick? Oh yeah, I I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, me. of course, and thank you for coming on. I I also want to thank my good friend Corinne Dodenhoff for designing my logo. I want to thank the Novas for the use of my theme song, The Crusher. I want to remind you, dear listener, to. Like, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, on SoundCloud. I want you to visit me at IHWPod.com. I want you to follow me on Twitter at IHWPod. I want you to visit me on Instagram at IHateWrestling. And I want you to... I have another thing at IHateWrestling, and I can't remember what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, I hope you don't have a manager yelling at you right now. Doesn't matter. Uh, visit visit my shop at ihwpod.com and buy some bandanas for fat dogs. Buy t-shirts, buy caps, um, buy buttons, buy stickers, buy mugs. <laughs> Listen, this episode. Really, whatever you want. Yeah, I keep saying. Don't put your logo on it. Yeah, I will put my logo on whatever. I do not care. Um, I. <laughs> I can't, I've been saying that Christmas is coming up and that people should buy these things as Christmas gifts. I'm pretty sure by the time this one goes live, Christmas will have already happened, but it's never too early to start shopping for next year. Right. And, you know, if you get uh, I Hate Wrestling branded uh, wrapping paper. Oh, that's a good just... idea. <laughs> I Hate Wrestling wrapping paper. You can promote okay. that every holiday. <laughs> I'm going to get them printed on little Easter eggs. Happy birthday. Like, comment, and subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Congratulations on your wedding. Also, please rate and review. I'm so sorry about your dad. Please like, comment, and subscribe. (laughs) I give him a card with The Undertaker on it. Hope your dad rests in peace. (laughs) Nick, do you have anything that you want to plug? Uh, no, not at the moment. Do you have anything you want to plug later? Uh, uh, no. Okay. Well, uh, in lieu of that, everybody go back, uh, rewind about two minutes and listen to my plugs again. 
and uh, <laughs> and that would just be that would just be real great if you could take care of that for me. Uh, just buy those shirts. Just I can't oh, stress yeah. I, I can't stress how much you got to buy those shirts. Buy those fucking he's, shirts. Buy a shirt. Buy a shirt. He's so hungry. I'm so hungry. <laughs> if you don't buy a shirt, I don't eat. So buy a shirt. If, you, if we buy, if you buy enough shirts, uh, Glacial will come back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's messianic at this point. Yeah, it's a kick. It's a Kickstarter uh, reward. It's a karate Kickstarter. <laughs> uh, that was I, awful. I, I so wish. I so wish that could be the end of the episode. But I have one more question for you, Nick. Yes. If you were going to be a pro wrestler, what would your character be? Oh, it would definitely be. Uh, so I know I've mentioned Gold Dust a lot. Those were always my favorite. Is the weird bodysuit ninja guys? I fucking uh, love Gold Glacier Dust. fits perfectly into that. Uh, Mortis does. I'd want a full face mask, skin tight bodysuit, probably metallic colors. Okay. <laughs> and what's your, what's what's your story? What's your character? I definitely. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I want. I'd like to be in the cabal of. Uh, satanic wrestlers oh you know what you could do you could be yeah you could do like a a a spider-man black costume thing where you're (laughs) you could be a black bodysuit that used to belong to somebody else and then just my wrestler name would just be the bodysuit the bodysuit right and we just imply that you're the suit there's no wrestler in there yeah it just came to life (laughs) right i'm tired i'm tired of all you sweaty freaks wearing me that's right Oh, oh, think of all the horrible catchphrases. I'm gonna put you inside me. Oh, what about what? That's good. But what about um, I'm gonna air out all your dirty laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God! I'm gonna fold you up like laundry. I don't know why you sound like Will Arnett in this. (laughs) (laughs) In in, uh, Hot Rod. Hot Rod, babe, 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 babe. Babe. <laughs> also, speaking of hot rod, your finishing move should be the ultimate punch. <laughs> the ultimate punch. Ultimate punch from hot rod. It's it's a, a double hand punch and a kick at the same time. Oh right. <laughs> Listen, I'll summon my animal spirit powers beforehand. Yeah. Well, that's Nacho Libre. We're doing all kinds of stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you had the, the you had uh, Andy Samberg calling on his animal uh, oh, that's right. spirit that's guides right. right before the jump. That's right. That's right. It's like uh, eagle, like wolf, yes. house cat, bottlenose dolphin. <laughs> yes. Uh, that movie's great. <laughs> that movie is very underrated. Very. The movie is uh, incredibly underrated. Oh, for sure. I, I think so. It, I'm saying that having not seen it in 10 years, so. Right. It might not hold up. And for all we know, it was highly rated when it came out. Yeah. I don't remember. I just remember, like, I've done that a couple times where I'm like, oh, man, that movie was so good. I'm like, oh, no, it turns out I was just a fucking moron when that movie came out. <laughs> I was high as shit. <laughs> like, when I saw, like, I saw Beer Fest in high school, and I'm like, that movie's so fucking yeah, funny. I haven't seen it's, that since high school either. It's not good. <laughs> I remember enjoying it a lot and and saying random random lines that I can't remember what part of the movie they're from anymore. Yeah, let me just tell you, uh, leave the memories alone. Don't <laughs> just let it. Just don't be your heroes. Yeah, speaking words of wisdom, let it be. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that 
song was about. It it's was about, about not watching it's beer about fest, beer fests. <laughs> I can hear you, but you're a little robotic. You're, I can hear you, but you're a little robotic. Um, if you could give me uh, give me a testing or a rubber baby buggy bumper, that would be great. Rubber baby buggy. Well, that was bad. Um, you still there? <laughs> 